Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Ohio will lose a congressional seat due to the population shift of the latest census count. But why? Is it time to revisit the number of members of the House of Representatives, which has been set at 435 for more than a century? Also, today is another Mental Health Monday. Vaccines will help fight the physical threat of the virus, but the emotional and psychological impact requires a different kind of healing to put the pandemic fully behind us. And after last year's lockdowns and quarantines, we have what you need to make this Mother's Day extra special. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Today is Garden Meditation Day. So go to your garden and just veg out in your garden. Garden Meditation Day. Great Lakes Awareness Day. Melanoma Monday. Be aware of the uh, impact of the sun. Boy, yesterday was one of those days. Bright sunshine, nice warm weather. Got an early feel of summertime yesterday. It was great. Melanoma Monday today, though. Let's remember the effects of the sun. National Chocolate Custard Day. It is National Lumpy Rug Day. <laughs> National Lumpy Rug Day. I like that. That may be my, my favorite holiday so far this year. National Lumpy Rug Day. Every day should be National Lumpy Rug Day. Uh, National Meeting Planners Appreciation Day. Now, I don't know... How many people are going to be on board with that? I mean, most of us hate meetings. But then again, think about this. Even if you hate meetings, where would those meetings be without the meeting planners? You think uh, meetings last far too long now. Just imagine if there were no meeting planners, if there was no plan going in. National Raspberry Popover Day, National Paranormal Day, and World Press Freedom Day today. So those are the observances. So uh, this is kind of interesting. A new poll from uh, ABC News and the Washington Post um, finds that Americans are starting to feel good about the future. Uh, Nearly two-thirds in this poll, 64% of Americans are optimistic about the direction of the country. And the last time that Americans had that level of optimism, according to these same polls, because they do conduct these polls from time to time, ask the same questions to track the mood over time. The last time that Americans had this amount of optimism, December of 2006, when 61% were optimistic about the country's direction. Now, uh, I hesitate to bring this up, but I also feel it's necessary to point this out December of 2006 was just uh, about what 14 15 months before the great recession hit (laughs) so I don't know but that's the last time we felt this positive Uh, this is worth noting though the positive feeling in the country does not mean that people believe we have become more unified in this country only 23 percent believe that the nation has become more unified since President Biden took office. You remember in his inaugural speech, he talked a lot about bringing the country together. Not many people believe he has succeeded at that, at least so far. Uh, Actually, an even greater 28% believe we have become more divided since the new president took office 100-some-odd days ago. And uh, just under half, 48%, didn't see a real significant difference. But overall, we are more optimistic than we have been in more than, uh, well more than a decade, almost a decade and a half. So, worth noting. Um, This was a very interesting story. Talk about the first things you need to know this morning. Chew on this. If you are working from home, remember that was the big thing, a year ago, everybody suddenly started to transition working from home, and there were all these stories about how people liked it, wanted to continue working from home. Many employers said, yeah, we can live with that. We can let you work from home. It seemed like everything was all 
you know, uh, sunshine and lollipops, working from home, everybody was happy. But a team of business psychologists in the UK say that people who work from home are missing out on opportunities that colleagues in the office may be more likely to get. And those who are working from home are less likely to be given a promotion. That's right. It seems that working from home could be bad for your career, according to this study. The findings also suggest that those who work remotely will be put at a disadvantage because they are left unnoticed without a voice or the ability to contribute or progress within a career path or within a company. They say those who see their boss day-to-day in the office have a present privilege. In other words, they're more likely to be involved in spontaneous discussions in the office because they are in the office and they have better access to the boss, meaning that they are more front of mind when the time comes to hand out that big promotion. The managing partner of the company who did this research says businesses must be mindful to prevent those who work from home from losing their voice and their ability to contribute effectively to the business operations and thus their chance of promotion. And firms must take active steps to ensure that those uh, individuals voices are heard and they are considered for those same opportunities because you know upon reading that my first thought was you know what will happen a year or two from now we'll start to hear stories in the news of people who are suing their employers because they didn't get a promotion they felt they deserved because they were working remotely and not in the office every day I can just see this happening. I can see this being a thing a year or two from now. So when you hear that first story about a lawsuit being filed by a remote worker because they were passed over for a promotion, you remember you heard it here first. I guarantee it's going to happen. Here's a new trend. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about this, although I have often said that it, it it seems odd that women get engagement rings and men don't. Well, Tiffany and Company, the iconic jewelry re- retailer, has set about to fix that inequity. They have announced their first ever engagement rings for men. They have named the line after company founder Charles Lewis Tiffany. The rings, which are already available online and will be available in their stores beginning next month, have a center diamond that can be either round or emerald cut and measure up to five carats. Ooh. Reporting on the announcement, this past Friday, CNBC said Tiffany is looking to tap into a new market amid the rise in same-sex marriages and gender-fluid fashion trends. Tiffany said of the new men's engagement rings, that it wants to offer products in support of love and inclusivity while, quote, paving the way for new traditions to celebrate our unique love stories and honor our most cherished commitments to one another. So, I have always thought that that was kind of weird, that, that women get engagement rings and men don't. Well, now Tiffany is going gonna, is gonna to fix, is going to right that wrong. And, of course, they're probably going to make a lot of money in the process, so that's always a good thing. Um, And one other, oh, a couple of other uh, stories here. Number one, yesterday was just a gorgeous day. Had temperatures in the 80s, sunshine. Are you getting ready to itching to open your backyard swimming pool for the season? Maybe you already have. You got Memorial Day coming up, the unofficial start to the summer season, now the winter May. If you have a pool in your backyard, a word of advice. You might want to go get some chlorine now. The worst, this is the, this is the new product shortage. 
the worst chlorine shortage the country has ever seen is on its way this summer. That's what it says here. Boy, that sounds dramatic. Let me read that in a much more dramatic tone. The worst chlorine shortage the country has ever seen is on its way this summer. Does that sound sufficiently dramatic? Some pool servicing companies say they have already started stockpiling chlorine tablets and pool industry insiders in multiple states say the chlorine supply is already tight, particularly in Florida, Michigan, Nevada, and Texas. And pool owners are largely unaware of the problem. Well, now you are aware. It's a combination of several factors has led to the scarcity, including an unprecedented surge in demand last year because so many people were putting they couldn't go to the pool, public pools were closed, or capacity limited or whatever, water parks were closed and all of that. So people were putting in backyard pools. And so this huge spike in demand has outpaced supply. Uh, also, there was a big chemical plant fire, which dis destroyed some manufacturing capacity. So make sure that you get your chlorine now. You may not be able to. And this is a great story for every Karen in the world. Just because your name is Karen doesn't mean you are a Karen. The name is... Uh, come to symbolize, you know, individuals who are self-centered and just kind of nasty and all. The, you know what I mean? That's the that's the thing. Oh, you are such such a Karen. Well, uh, the world's first social review platform, Sidro, has done some research, and they found those with the names Colin and Tracy are actually the ones who are overly demanding and entitled. Uh, they are the ones who uh, actually have the most sense of entitlement and are overly demanding, not Karens. Uh, they analyzed negative review data from the last 18 months to determine the names most associated with negative reviews and found that Colin and Tracy are most likely to leave one or two star reviews for businesses. Other female names that were likely to leave bad reviews. Susan or Suzanne, Vicky, Wendy, and Caroline. And for men, the most easily offended were Greg, John, Ian, and Martin. So, Susans are Karens. <laughs> but Karens are not always Karens. So there you go. That is... Maybe the best news for Karens this morning. You are welcome. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast. Showers likely today with the high around 70. Showers possible tonight, a low around 60. U.S. 224 will be closing for a week, a little west of Interstate 75. The Ohio Department of Transportation says U.S. 224 will close at County Road 223 next Monday, May 10th, for seven days for a project to raise the profile of the roadway and for resurfacing. Elevating the roadway will lift it out of the floodway and help with ensuring access to the city would be maintained during a flood. As part of the project, a six-mile stretch of 224 between Finley and State Route 235 will be resurfaced and there will be daily lane closures. Get more on the project on our website. The parents of Stone Foltz, the BGSU student who died in the hazing incident in March, have joined other parents in pressing Ohio lawmakers to crack down on hazing at Ohio colleges. There is a renewed push now to stop hazing across the state of Ohio. Lawmakers are reviewing Collins Law. It's named after Colin Wyant, who died in 2018 at Ohio University. Collins Law would stiffen the penalties for hazing from a misdemeanor to a felony. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. Eight BGSU students were recently indicted in connection with Fultz's death. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine dedicated a memorial grove of trees to honor the victims and survivors of COVID-19, as well as all Ohioans who have made personal sacrifices to protect others amid the pandemic. At the dedication, the governor said the trees symbolize the hope and resiliency of the people of Ohio. We've been through a lot, 
we have a little more to go. But we will come out of this, and we will be strong. The ceremony was held Friday at Great Seal State Park in Chillicothe. You can see video on our website. Cooper Tire and Rubber Company has announced that its stockholders have overwhelmingly voted to approve the transaction agreement and planned merger with the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. In February, the two companies announced that they had entered into a transaction agreement under which Goodyear will acquire Cooper for a value of approximately $2.5 billion. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. get right into it here this morning with our cover story after tabulation of last year's census numbers congressional reapportionment was announced last week and the state of ohio will lose representation again Uh, continuing the trend of recent decades the buckeye state will now be down to 15 seats in the u.s house of representatives but is it time to revisit the cap on the overall number of seats in the house Uh, which hasn't changed from its current 435 in more than a century. Joining us is Dr. Scott Gerber, Ohio Northern University constitutional law professor and associated scholar of the Brown University Political Theory Project. And Dr. Gerber, there there is nothing in the Constitution saying that the number has to be 435. It has been there since 1910, and it was officially capped there in 1929, when the overall population of the country was roughly a third of what it is today. Is it time to revisit that number? Yes, I think so, and you're correct about the Constitution's silence on this. It's done by statute, and in 1929, they fixed it at 435. But it's interesting to note that even though the constitutional text says nothing about it, James Madison in the Federalist Papers, explaining to people what the Constitution meant, expected the um, the size of the number of representatives to keep pace with population. And during the convention itself in Philadelphia in the summer of 1787, the only time that George Washington spoke, it was to express concern that the projected 40,000 uh, constituents per representative was too large. He wanted 30,000. Mm. Today, it's 740,000. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was going to say, I was looking up the numbers, and uh, in 1910, again, when the, the number first reached 435, there was one representative for every 210,000 Americans, and as you mentioned now, it's up to 700,000 plus Obviously, we can't triple the number of representatives, uh, again, triple the population in the uh, U.S. uh, versus when we hit 435. We can't triple the number of representatives. I don't know that that would be feasible necessarily. But certainly there is an argument to be made that one reason our representatives don't represent us as effectively as they should is because there are proportionately fewer of them. Correct. It's just, uh, as anyone that is not wealthy knows, it's almost impossible to speak to your House representative. Yeah. You might be able to speak occasionally with one of his constituent service staffers, but you can't get to the, the congressperson. Mm-hmm. In, and again, another uh, number uh, compar- for comparison And again, as it relates to Ohio specifically, in 1970, Ohio had 10.7 million people and 24 representatives. Fifty years later, we have 11.7 million people and 16 going on 15 representatives. But it should be pointed out that even if the overall number were to be increased, Ohio's influence would remain the same, given that our state represents a smaller percentage of the the, uh, overall population. Correct. So correct. Uh, so uh, again, it's it's interesting. What should what should the number be? Again, uh, it, maybe it's not uh, it's not feasible to triple and go to you know twelve hundred members or whatever. Uh, but what is that magic number? Oh, th- that's hard to say what the magic number is. But I'll just make some analogies uh, to, to say Europe. Um, you know, uh, our ancestry traces largely to England, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, their uh, House of Commons represents 110,000 uh, uh, constituents per, per uh, Commons member, 
And then Japan, which is the closest in terms of the number of uh, representatives in their lower chamber, their uh, lower chamber still has only about, I think it's about just about 250,000 lower house representatives uh, per constituent. Per so, you know, uh, people have kind of done statistics to project out what it should be and all of that. And I agree that just tripling it or, you know, even increasing it by uh, uh, 50 would probably be too many. But you can start slowly and just keep building. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the argument against it is it's inefficient right. to have, uh, you know, 600 people in the House or something like that. But as I said, other uh, countries, they have, um, you know, 600, 700 people in their lower house, and and they seem to get at least as much done. Yeah, uh, that's that's a uh, valid point as well. Uh, speaking of numbers, a couple of other uh, issues uh, that I want to get your uh, thoughts on that have made headlines here recently. Speaking of numbers that are not set in the Constitution, a group of Democrats has proposed expanding the number of seats on the Supreme Court, which has an even longer history at its current uh, level of nine. That number has been set since shortly after the Civil War. It has fluctuated over the years, but it's been at nine since shortly after the Civil War. And they have made no bones about the fact that their intent is to counter the recent shift toward conservatism on the high court. Your thoughts on that proposal? Yeah, um, there was. I had a recent uh, public debate at Brown University on Supreme Court reform, and obviously this was the most important one. And you know, I'm not wedded to a specific number in this case nine, mm-hmm. but but I do oppose increasing the size of the court just for ideological and political reasons to change the outcome from you know having a one more liberal than than conservative and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that just sends the wrong signal. The, the, the court is already political enough. We don't need to make it more political. And FDR tried this right. um, when the conservative court was striking down his New Deal programs. He wanted the court to obviously uphold them, and so he wanted to pack the court, and it didn't win. He was criticized for it, even by the Democrats, because right. it was just so crassly partisan. Right. Those pushing for expansion counter the court-packing argument, though, by saying that it is Republicans who have been packing the court by blocking the Merrick Garland nomination for six months, then pushing through the Amy Coney Barrett nomination in less than six weeks. So the shenanigans uh, are are not limited to one side of the aisle in this debate. No, I agree. I'm not saying that only uh, Democrats are partisan. Republicans Mm. are partisan, too. And as you posted on your website, I wrote an op-ed where... Both sides have to stop being partisan. They need to appoint people to the court based on the merits, not based on any partisan calculations like you just described. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, justices on the Supreme Court, the newest justice raised some eyebrows last month when it came out that she had recently gotten a book deal that included a $2 million advance. You were among those highly critical of that in an op-ed for The Hill. Is your objection to the to the size of that deal, or do you just think sitting justices shouldn't be writing books? Because she is not uh, the only one to do either of those things. Right. Um, well, one, if they have time to write books, uh, they have time to um, not delegate so much of their work to young law clerks. But two, um, you know, the size of it is just, it's way too much. She was a law professor like I am for 15 or 20 years. Mm. She didn't write a single book in 15 or 20 years. All of a sudden, you know, she's been on the Supreme Court for less than six months. Right. All of a sudden, uh, she has something worth $2 million to say. I don't think so. It's just unseemly. As I mentioned in the piece in the Hill, I supported her uh, confirmation. I, I did think that under the letter of the Constitution, uh, Trump had the, the constitutional right to nominate her, and the right. Senate had the constitutional right to confirm her. Um, so I supported that. Um, but I, I, I vehemently oppose this. People should not use high office to get rich. And especially, it, it seems particularly unseemly for a Supreme Court justice, for whatever reason. I mean, that, that just seems like uh, the justices should be above the fray. 
I agree completely. Uh, I agree completely. It's ju- a judge is not supposed to be a politician in robes, although unfortunately uh, most of them seem to be. But it's just not appropriate. And again, she's not alone in that. Justice right. Sotomayor got, I think, three million uh, uh, for a couple of sort of staggered book advances, and mm-hmm. that's that's just wrong. Yeah, uh, it, it is uh, interesting. All uh, sorts of things. Involving some of the uh, numbers uh, in Congress and the Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Court issues as well. A lot of things making headlines uh, that are worth uh, uh, further examination. We've got a link up, as we mentioned, to uh, uh, some of your commentary, uh, particularly on the uh, court packing uh, question or the uh, question of expanding the Supreme Court. Got it linked up at our webpage. Again, Dr. Scott Gerber, Ohio Northern University constitutional law professor and associated scholar at Brown University Political Theory Project. Dr. Gerber, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. You're welcome, Chris. Have a nice day. Time for another Mental Health Monday. It's something that we haven't done in a while. And, of course, all of the news centers around the vaccine now and the importance of getting vaccines in arms so that we can get back to normal after this pandemic. And while that will fight the physical threat of the coronavirus, the emotional and psychological impact uh, will require a different kind of healing to put uh, things fully behind us. Joining us is Family Resource Center Outreach Specialist Amber Wolfram. And Amber, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Uh, this, I, I suppose it's, it's understandable that we want to overlook that. Uh, and, and, you know, we hear the stories about the vaccines. We got about a third. Uh, I think it's uh, half of American adults are now at least partially vaccinated, mm-hmm. about a third are fully vaccinated. We're getting there um, and we think, oh, we're going to be back to normal, uh, you know, just like that. Mm-hmm. But this is going to take a while for a lot of people. Well, it is going to take a while. If you think about what it was like at first when when we got told, you know, what we needed to do to stay safe mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and how it how many times did you walk to the store without your mask? How many times did you forget you couldn't go into a building? Right. Things like that. Yeah. It, it forms new habits. Mm-hmm. So we've all formed some new habits. Um, but we've also had a, over a year of change, which our brains, we always like to say people are hard to change. But the brain, um, you know, it, it's neuroplasticity is great, but it takes a little bit. Mm-hmm. We are now going to have to unchange some things and also understand that there is a new normal yeah um and there was a survey done in early january and um don't quote me but it was over 30 percent stated that they were not ready for life to go back to pre-covid um they've they've developed some changes that they're gonna need to work through yeah i guess it makes sense Mm -hmm. uh we always talk about usually right around the first of the year when we talk about all of those new year's resolutions saying hey give yourself some time it's going to take time Mm -hmm. to get into a new habit so uh, I guess it will take an equal amount of time to sort of undo some of those uh, habits, and especially for those who have struggled uh, emotionally and psychologically from all of this. Well, yeah, I mean, we have, um, all of us have been through a, a season of loss in mm-hmm. one way or another. Right. So unfortunately, there were those of us in our community that lost loved ones um, to this pandemic. There were individuals that lost uh, graduation ceremonies and prom, you know, rites of passage type things. Mm-hmm. People couldn't be with their loved ones when they were sick, which caused anxiety. So um, we've got, whether we want to identify it as grief, um, we've got grief that we need to work through and we're going to have the need for time to do that. Um, And so we're just hoping to get in front of individuals and and just give some clarity to that. When we talk about the the loss of those milestones and those types of uh, of things, uh, kids that lost their graduations, uh, kids that lost their proms, and mm-hmm. you know there were other other things. When those things come up this year, and this class is getting their graduation, mm-hmm. or this class is getting their prom, is that kind of remind uh remind you of that that and and bring up those feelings all over again potentially um potentially whenever example of yeah yeah. when we've had if you think about when you've had a significant loss in your life Mm -hmm. there's those year of firsts yeah right um that that first christmas with with the loss the first time you have to do something that reminds you of Mm -hmm. what you had before yeah and so we are approaching you know and we all approached saint patrick's day this year it was that whole okay so what are we going to be allowed to do what's going to happen and what this the kids were um 
um, going back to school full time right after that. And it was, you know, do we prepare for the leprechaun chase mm-hmm. thing? Because what if we end up with yeah. some numbers and we have to close back down? We don't want to get the kids hopes up. Mm-hmm. And then so we have all of this like I call it stutter start. We get excited, but then when we kind of stutter back and think, ooh, I can't get too excited because yeah. what if this doesn't happen? Right. And we're not planning six months out, one year out. We're like, well, let's see what happens next month. That's let's see what happens next. And that does something to the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be, uh, we just need to give each other space and grace with that and understand that some people are going to struggle with that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And understanding um, some of us were very fortunate and got through the what we hope is the bulk of this pandemic. Right. Um, unscathed in the sense of we didn't lose a loved one, but some of us did. And because of the isolation, many of us don't even know the extent of that. And so we're just, we're, we're wanting people to remember we, everyone is excited to go out and forge this new normal. Yeah. Um, but there are going to be those of us that need a little more time than others. And with the Family Resource Center, again, through the course of the past year, uh, we've talked with uh, folks from the FRC and and others within the uh, mental health community uh, here locally about programs and, and so on that are mm-hmm. available, uh, maybe even for the first time. For people who have never been through something like this, don't know how to deal with it, that's what you do. You have another uh, program coming mm-hmm. up uh, called Caring for Others and ourselves in a time of loss. And again, as we were saying, we still need to think of this as a time of loss. Talk a little bit about this program here. Well, we're very fortunate. We had Doug Smith in town back in 2010 to talk about um, the wounded healer and anticipatory grief and understanding understanding what it takes when we're caring for others to make sure that we're caring for ourselves. Um, one of the side effects of the pandemic is the use of Zoom. So while Doug is in Florida, we are able to have him available to our community. Um, we're, we're doing a May 18th, a May 19th, and a May 20th Zoom each day from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And they're going to be a little bit different based on audience. Um, and what we want people to remember is, like for the 18th, we're doing the spiritual community. Talk about changes in the last year Mm -hmm. you know many people find solace in the church um and in their um associations with that um pastors being able to go out and be with individuals when they're going through hardship has all been changed and adjusted yeah that's been for a lot of people one of the more most difficult parts of this exactly so we want to shine some light on that and give um some to just give some insight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also doing one then on May 19th for helping professions where we've got a CE secured for that, a continuing education. Because while this whole pandemic has been going on, the helping relations are still out there doing their jobs. You know, mm-hmm. we're still providing mental health care. They're still providing nursing. They're still providing, you know, EMS. There's All these things are still happening while they themselves have their kids at home, yeah. have parents that they're worried right. about. Um, so how do we balance that moving forward? And then on May 20th, we have a community one um, because we have many f- people in our community. They're sandwich generations. We have teens. We also have older adults. Right. We have neighbors. We have all of these individuals we're concerned about. So how do we how do, we do all of that? We care for them and, and again, ourselves. And ourselves kind of goes back to the uh, title of the, uh, of the program. Correct. Now, how do folks sign up for these? All you need to do is go to the Family Resource Center website, um, and on it's the frcohio.com, and there's a training tab. And if you click on the training tab, all of the Doug Smith presentations will come up. This is one of the one of the good things uh, about all of this is we have learned how to do these Zoom uh, things. We can have uh, access to these helpful professionals uh, from when miles and miles, from away. miles away when we wouldn't ordinarily. So uh, it hasn't all been bad, but again, uh, it's a learning curve. It's, it is definitely a learning <laughs> curve, and it is some adjustment again to adjust back to this new normal, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like uh, moving forward. Again, thinking not just of the physical um, cure for what ails us, but also the emotional and psychological impact that all of this has caused. We have the link up for more information about the program at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Family Resource Center Outreach Specialist Amber Wolfram with us this morning. Amber, thanks very much for taking Thank you so much. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Now, I have to uh, preface this. Today's broken news report is a little uh, different than than most. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, dumb criminals and so on, but there are uh, certainly plenty of odd and unusual things going on that uh, we can uh, fill the time. And today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County 
veteran services. We do have a couple of uh, interesting. A, a man in New York City allegedly uh, is uh, charged with assaulting a FedEx driver with a bow and arrow. <laughs> That's not your usual weapon of choice. But uh, it all started because he thought that the FedEx driver was hitting on his girlfriend. It turns out he was just delivering a package. And he was literally, you're not talking figuratively delivering a package. He was literally delivering a package. The incident went down last week when the 38-year-old delivery driver was dropping off some stuff. Uh, While he was doing so, he was singing a tune to himself, which 22-year-old Alexander Carrier... Uh, interpreted as trying to come on to his girlfriend. Mr. Carrier then scurried to his apartment to retrieve his bow and arrow and chase the FedEx driver away. Alongside a picture of two cops and the uh, bow and arrow, NYPD tweeted about the incident the following day, writing, Officers from the 109th Precinct responded to a 911 call call of a FedEx employee being chased down the street by a man with... With archery equipment, thanks to their quick response and the use of precision policing, the suspect was apprehended and the weapon was recovered. Uh, Mr. Carrier was charged with criminal possession of a weapon, menacing, reckless endangerment, and harassment. The FedEx driver was not hurt. And the woman in question, whose name is not given, is probably looking for a new boyfriend now, I would think. Uh, This is uh, kind of uh, crazy. How bored do you have to be to make it your life's goal to park in every spot in your local grocery store parking lot? A man named Gareth Wilde from London began a six-year quest back in 2015 to park in all 211 spots at his local supermarket parking lot. And he even used a spreadsheet to track his progress. He took to social media to reveal the completion of his mission and included diagrams of the Superstore's parking lot for anyone in the area who might want to recreate his accomplishment. On his Twitter thread, he has now been liked more than 50,000 times, explaining that handicapped and motorbike uh, spaces could not be counted as he cannot use either of them. So he had a total of 211 spaces that he could access He said the task led him to dub 11 spots the best of the best, and 29 he is determined to be the worst. Yeah, I don't know why. He also noted that some spots were nearly impossible to get and required him to take a few extra late evening trips to the store uh, in order to secure every single parking lot. (laughs) Now that is a mission right there. But he's done it. Everyone should have a goal in life. You have heard of cars being leased, but what about dogs? Not one, but two finance companies have agreed to waive outstanding balances in Massachusetts to settle allegations that they illegally leased dogs in the state. Believe it or not, leasing a dog is legal in some states, but not Massachusetts. Uh, In some states, pet stores can offer the option of leasing as an alternative way to finance a pet purchase, similar to leasing a car. Cradova Financial LLC and Next Step Holdings LLC both engaged in leasing. They're both based in Nevada, by the way, uh, accused of leasing dogs in Massachusetts violating state law will will waive more than $126,000 in balances and transfer full ownership of dozens of dogs to customers in Massachusetts. Companies also agreed not to originate any new dog leases in the state and to pay fines of $50,000 as part of the settlement. Who knew? I had no idea that that was even a thing, leasing a dog. That's wild. Do you get to trade it in on a newer model then in two or three years? I don't understand how that works. Um, again, this is not necessarily one of the normal types of stories that we have in the broken news, but I could not resist. Saturday was World Naked Gardening Day. And uh, if you enjoy gardening in your birthday suit, no judgment here. Just be careful when pulling weeds and trimming your bushes. Um, 
Not all cities allow naturists and nudists to tend to their flowers and vegetables in the nude. So where can you bear your green thumb and the rest of your body without getting in trouble with some thorny legal issues? Lawn Starter has exposed 2021's best cities for naked gardening. They compared the 100 biggest cities in the U.S. across nine key metrics, including the share of the nudist population, local legality of nudity, gardener friendliness, and average weather conditions. (laughs) Miami, Florida came in at number one on the list, followed by Austin, Texas, Seattle, Atlanta, and Portland, the best cities for naked gardening. Cincinnati is Ohio's top-rated city, just ahead of San Diego. I think it's like 36th. I don't have the exact number. Cleveland is 55 on the list. Columbus at number 64. And Toledo is 79th out of 100. So now you know. And uh, this is also kind of interesting. Uh, In the broken news, condom sales are surging. In 2021, as more people are willing to leave their homes and start mingling again, the industry saw demand plummet during the pandemic as people stayed home and bars and restaurants were closed. But not anymore. A market research firm says sales of condoms are up by more than 23% from mid-March through mid-April. There was a more than 4% decline in condom sales in 2020. So apparently we're making up for lost time. There you go. So the odd and unusual uh, stories in the uh, broken news this morning. This update brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Here in Hancock County, Open Arms provides services to anyone affected by domestic violence and sexual assault. To get help, call our 24-hour crisis hotline at 419-422-4766 where you will be connected to advocates who can help you sort out your immediate situation and provide support and resources. Call our 24-hour crisis hotline at 419-422-4766. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. If you are, this is perfect for a Monday. If you are the type of person who is always running late, And you know who you are. A new poll finds the magic number of how late you can be before you really start to tick off the people that are waiting on you is 13 minutes. 13 minutes. uh, This is an Ipsos survey of 3,000 adults in the U.S. find that being late is considered anything past 13 minutes overdue. So 13 minutes, less than that, and you know people don't really get upset. But after that, they really start to get angry. 39% of Americans believe that running late is socially unacceptable. Now, I guess 39%, that means a fair number of people still feel it's okay. But that is a substantially number of people to get angry, you know, at you for uh, for being late. By contrast, uh, 56% of Americans say that people should plan ahead to ensure that they are never running late. Uh, while 7 in 10 friendship groups have a certain friend with a reputation for always being late, less than one quarter admit to being that person. <laughs> so every group has that one person that's always running late, But nobody believes it's them. (laughs) And it is true. Uh, Just one-tenth of uh, people within social groups, only one in ten, will admit that they are the ones that are often late. When people are running late, this is kind of interesting, the survey finds that when people are running late, 37% will blame traffic. No matter if that is the real reason or not, that always gets the blame. Traffic was just terrible. I have to admit, I have used that excuse before. <laughs> Running late. Uh, the alarm not going off was the next most 
common excuse for running late. Again, whether or not it's true, 33% give the alarm clock the blame as their go-to excuse. And 32% claim that their car wouldn't start. Again, whether or not that's true, that's the third most common excuse. 32% uh, cite car trouble or the car not starting for the reason why they're running late. So now you know. Well, Mother's Day is coming up, and obviously this past year has shown us the never-ending strength of mothers everywhere. In fact, it says here 78% of consumers say that celebrating Mother's Day is even more important to them this year than it has ever been, uh, obviously given the current state of all we have been through over the past year. Not a big surprise there. So joining us this morning with some ideas on what you need to make mom feel extra special this year is beauty and lifestyle expert Allie Fister. And Allie, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. Uh, obviously, folks planning on going bigger and better than ever for Mother's Day this year. Number one on your list is being smart with our spending. So let's start there. All right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for having me. And I I 100% agree. Celebrating mom always is important, but this year feels extra special. Um, But it's also been a really challenged year in in so many ways. And um, Afterpay is an incredible resource for your listeners to know about. Um, They have partnered with thousands of retailers and brands to offer the option for customers to buy now and get their gift now but pay over four interest-free installments. Um, check out their uh, shop directory on afterpay.com or their app where you can browse their brand partners, and they even have a section dedicated to Mother's Day gift guides. That's awesome. And just to uh, underscore, emphasize what you were saying, interest-free uh, on that, which is a, a big interest bonus. Interest-free. Yeah. Uh, so- Absolutely. You know, mom wants a great gift, but she wants to know that you made some smart financial decisions as well. So there check you, out Afterpay. There you go. Uh, now, talk about, uh, you have some things uh, that moms believe are important for Mother's Day. So let's kind of get into our head a little bit here. Oh, yeah. You know, mom, she wants to spend some quality time with us and maybe also see some of the skills you've developed during quarantine. And one I've developed during quarantine is I, I, I now consider myself, Chris, a, a junior mythologist, if you will. Um, <laughs> and I'm able to do so really because I discovered this delicious tequila brand, 21 Seeds, female-founded, award-winning, real fruit-infused tequila. They have three delicious infusions a cucumber jalapeno, a grapefruit hibiscus, and a Valencia orange. So mix up a cocktail with mom for a delicious cocktail hour from a female-founded brand. Um, And uh, it'll be a cocktail hour that tastes extra delicious and uh, sweet this Mother's Day. That is awesome. Uh, What else do you have uh, that, that moms, you think, need for Mother's Day? You know, I think mom needs, deserves, and wants a little TLC. Um, a brand is a go-to for me for some TLC is Josie Marin Cosmetics. This brand is clean, healthy, effective. It is rooted in 100% pure argon oil. They have a whipped argon oil body and face butter that is unbelievable. Talk about self-care in a jar. It is light. It is hydrating. They come in two delicious scents a sweet citrus, and a vanilla bean. And these are available locally for your listeners at Sephora and also locations. A little TLC from Josie Marin will be a great Mother's Day gift for mom. TLC is always a, a good gift and, and certainly welcome for mom. Uh, you've got a couple of other uh, suggestions for uh, making mom feel pampered this Mother's Day. Yes, I have two more um, incredible ideas. So, You know, the first is mom wants to feel and look her best. And um, our skin has really gone through it this past year, from the mask to being indoors more. Um, So check out Indeed Labs. They have an amazing product called the Bacuchial Re-Face Pad. Now, you know, Chris, I think this product's incredible. So I'm trying to say live on the radio, Bacuchial. But (laughs) Bacuchial is a trending ingredient in beauty. It is a retinol alternative. It's safe enough to use for expecting moms. It's going to help mom's skin be more even, clear, radiant. And if you have aged mom at all this past year, it also has incredible anti-aging benefits. 
And um, I would also pair this with, um, you know, the fact that now that mom's, you know, looking great, feeling great, she really wants a great photo. And um, for me, I am really eyeing this brand, Siyate London. They have a dewy skin range. It's a, a versatile, semi-sheer product that is going to give mom that lit from within glow. It's one of those, um, you know, skincare meets color cosmetic hybrid um, products because it has these great skincare ingredients like vitamin C, hyaluronic acid. So it's going to give mom that 12-hour hydration and glow that's going to help her take that perfect family photo that's going to make her Mother's Day super memorable. There you go. Some terrific ways to make mom feel extra pampered on this extra special Mother's Day coming up. Beauty and lifestyle expert Allie Fister with us this morning. And where do we get uh, more information on all of these and other ideas? You mentioned the uh, drink uh, recipe and all of that. Chris, I like where your head's at. Directly to the drink recipe. <laughs> Go to bolarihub.com. We're going to have information on all these great products plus those drink recipes. It's been a pleasure talking to you, but I'm ready to sign off so I can go mix up my cocktail myself. There you go. And that will put a wrap on our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, of course. That is goodmornings.net. From our webpage, you can also connect with us on social media. Contact us directly via email. Sign up for our daily email newsletter. It's all there. Goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll talk the schools, the pandemic, and the PTA. What is the future of parental involvement in the classroom? Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. 